Good morning, afternoon, or evening. This is Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, and you're listening to the audio version of the 100% Wild Podcast, a collaboration between Wired to Hunt and Drury Outdoors, in which I, my co-host Matt Drury, and a special guest answer your very own hunting questions. And today, we're joined by former pro baseball player and current monster buck hunter, Jim Tomey. And in this episode, we talk some baseball, of course, and then dive deep into deer hunting and using ground blinds. But speaking of baseball, if that's not your thing, you can fast forward from minute marker 145 to 9 minutes and 30 seconds if you'd like to skip that and get right to the hunting discussion. So with that said, I'm going to kick it over to our live recording from yesterday afternoon. Enjoy. Hey, thank you, Joe. And hello, everyone. Welcome to our fourth episode of the 100% Wild Podcast, like Joe said. I'm Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, and we've got Jim Tomey with us today, with Matt in the studio. How you guys doing over there? Oh, we're doing, I'm doing great. To, this to, is great, To yeah. get a chance to have a guy like Jim Tomey in studio with us live, there's, hey, my day is made, my month is made. It's all good. That's how I feel <laughs> on the outversion with you guys. So thanks for having me. This is, uh, this will be, this will be a fun, fun show. I look forward to it. Well, before we kind of get into the show and, and our usual kind of, you know, we always talk about something, whether it's, you know, we talked about turkey hunting, we yeah. talked about self-filming, we've talked about balancing uh, hunting with your family life yeah. and all those topics so far. Before we get into our next topic, though, I think, you know, we'd, we'd be missing an opportunity. We don't talk a little baseball yeah. first, right? <laughs> Baseball's kind of important. Yeah, to us, right? <laughs> it is. So uh, Yes, no doubt. To, real quick, to give our viewers, if, if somebody's been under a rock for the last you know 30 years, I'm going to give them a quick uh, resume for Jim Tomey. He's got 612 home runs all time. How many years were you in Major League Baseball? 21, 21, and, uh, between 21 and 22, I guess. I, it's kind of all runs hand to hand. You're number seven all time on the home run list, yes. right? Uh, and currently you are with the White Sox yes. and you're an assistant to the general manager, special yep. assistant yep. to the general, general manager. The, the, the greatest job in the world. Especially for an uh, ex-ball player, I, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yes, it is. It's, it's a wonderful job. You get to come around the ballpark. Uh, they send me out on special assignments. If we've got a kid in the minor leagues that needs help with his hitting or – if we have the amateur draft coming up, if if there's interest in a player, they'll send me out to go see him. So it's, I got to tell you, it, it is a fabulous job. It's the great part about Mr. Reinsdorf, our owner of the White Sox, and then Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, uh, is they understand also the, the reverse end of playing a long time and getting an opportunity to be with your family and being at home. Uh, so... I got to tell you, living in Chicago, when when Mr. Reinsdorf called me to come aboard and to be a part of the you know the White Sox way, it just it was a no brainer for me to go ahead and do it. How far away do you live from the ballpark? Are you pretty close? We live thirty minutes. You know that can depend on Chicago traffic. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> but you know, for the most part, I mean, it's it's great. I do a lot of you know I do a lot of watching baseball at home. Yeah, I do on home games. I'll go down to the ballpark and we'll. You know, we'll discuss strategy or maybe a move that needs to be made. And I always say, people always ask me, what do you do, Jim? And I'm like, I'm, I'm a good listener. I listen well. Awesome. So, 
So right now, the White Sox, aren't they in first? We are. And not only in the Central, but do they still have the best record in uh, the American I, I'm, League? I'm, sh- I, I'm pretty sure. I, I, You know, we're right there. And as you know, you know how baseball is. It's it's such the roller coaster ride. Uh, and when we do what we do, when we play six months a year, you know, it, it, there is that up and down roller coaster. So... You know, we have a very good club. We're in a very good division with the Royals and the Tigers and, and Cleveland's playing well. So, you know, our guys, they're right there, though. Yeah. They've been doing when, – when you have Chris Sale, it's pretty easy to enjoy and enjoy the ride because he bet. makes it fun. Now, on that topic, Mark Drury actually had this question that he wanted me to, me to ask okay. you. He, he said he probably won't answer it, but no one did. <laughs> so he wanted to know, if you were in your heyday – and you were playing, and, and you were up against, you were in the batter's box, and, and Chris is there pitching, would you be able to take him deep? I would probably be on the bench. They would give me the day off a against Chris Sale, yes. Yeah, that's tough. Yes, because <laughs> as a young player, I remember you know, getting an opportunity to face Randy Johnson, which was not fun. And, you know, when you look at the modern day, I mean, Chris Sale is as close to Randy Johnson as there is. And I got to tell you, as a left-handed hitter, that is absolutely no fun to face. And it's why Chris is who he is. He's yeah. one of the best. Is there any scenario, pitch count-wise, if you did, if they had you in there, lefty versus lefty, is there a certain pitch, or, you know, 3-2, um, I don't know, yeah. that you're looking for fastball? Or is there anything that you would be looking for that you think you could take deep on Chris? I would look fastball, but the interesting thing about Chris's fastball, it's it's got so much movement, it would almost be better if he did hang a slider in the middle of the plate, not the one that moves away from us, <laughs> yeah. but the one that would move into the middle of the plate. I would say that could be a good opportunity, but boy, he's just so good. He is, you know, I mean, almost he's, unhittable. He, he really is. He and, he and he's a humble, wonderful worker. I mean, he's a dream for an organization to have because – not many guys throw like him, and boy, we're we're excited to have him. He's just a pleasure to be around. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. It's going to be a fun and interesting season in Chicago in general. You know, I don't like to admit it, but those Cubbies—they're looking pretty good. You this know year. what? I got to say that the, there's a lot of there's a lot of excited people both on the north and south side. Our crosstown classic, which is coming up in July will be very interesting. Yeah. It'll be, it, there's a lot of pride on both sides. And you know what? For good reason. They have a good, they have a very good club and our fans are very passionate about our club as well. So it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good to experience the that. The Cubs were here just the last three days. And actually a, a bunch of us went to the game yesterday. It was a day game, Cards Cubs. And it was just, it was one of those deals where, you know, we, we won the first game of the series with a walk-off. And the second game, we just got pounced on. I mean, it was ugly. Well, this game, the rubber, the game, the rubber match game, you know, it could go either way. And it was just they just kept, you know, it was slugger after slugger, yeah. and you know, you didn't know if we were going to win or not. We had a chance there in the ninth, but uh, just couldn't pull it through. And the Cubs took the the series. Well, following the Cardinals a little bit as a baseball guy and watching baseball. You know, they're scoring a lot of runs this year. Offensively, when you look at their club, I mean, 
Are they leading the National League in home runs? They had been. Yeah, yeah I don't know if they still are. But, they, you know, which that was a problem for us last year. We had this unbelievable pitching. Yeah. I mean, like record-breaking pitching and no hitting. And this year, the pitching's just, you know, it's just not come together for us just yet. And the hitting is. So it's like you can never have both. I mean, you've probably seen that in 20-something years of baseball. Isn't it funny how that works out? It is. It, it definitely and, and I always say that's why you look on the back of a baseball card. You look the same thing with teams is not every year is the same. I mean, you can they always say it's not how you start. It's how you finish. But as in our case, starting out well, which we needed to do, showed a, an impact through our division, through the league that, hey, these guys can play. They're, They're serious. Really, they're serious. They've they went to spring training. They they prepared and I commend our general manager, Rick and Kenny and Jerry. They they put our club together with some high-energy guys, with Frazier and Lori, and uh, we brought in Avila, we brought in Jackson, so and Jimmy Rollins from Philadelphia, yeah. you know, from the Dodgers, but was with Philly all them years. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was a teammate of Jimmy. So we we upgraded our club in a lot of different ways, both offensively and defensively. And just inside the clubhouse there, I'm sure, as well, just having the veteran experience with some of those guys like a Jimmy Rollins. I mean, that's like a, a consummate professional, right? I mean, there's nobody that goes about his business better than Jimmy Rollins. No, and he's, he's been a winner. Yeah. And when you have guys that have won the MVP like Jimmy has, when they walk in a room, the young guys, they gravitate towards him. So we're, lu- we're lucky. We just <clears throat> we got to let the grind be and, and see how it all plays out. Awesome. So... Well, so you guys are over there having all the fun talking baseball without me, but but Jim, you're a deer hunter too, right? I am an outdoorsman, yes, sir. Yes, I uh, growing up in the Midwest and around the Peoria area, my father hunted, my brothers hunted, uh, my grandfather, my grandma and grandpa had a farm that we would hunt on. It was a small farm, and just like every Midwestern kid that grew up. You know, whether it was Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, you know what? If you had opportunity to own or have access to ground, you took advantage of it. And I, being blessed to play baseball and then to purchase ground all them years, you know, it's it's been a it's been an enjoyable hobby of mine to be a part of. And then you mix in my relationship with with Drury Outdoors, Matt and Terry and Mark. You know, it's just been a it's been a wonderful ride. I've just enjoyed it for a long time. And it's Mark, it's one of those deals where, you know, we've known each other for a long time now. I mean, over how many years has it been? Boy, I I remember at least because I remember the first time that I remember your name coming up in conversations. Will Clark was in camp at dad's place when he owned a farm over in Illinois in Pike County. And we were all over there one one weekend uh, hunting, and Will was telling stories, and he was talking about how big of a hunter you were, and yeah. you're a local boy in Peoria and all that stuff. And I think that was the first time I had, had heard your name mentioned, and heck, Dad, that's probably at least 15 years or so. So it's just – it was – you know, when you, you create, when you get together a couple of people that have the same passions in life, and with us, it's not only our shared passion for baseball, but our shared passion for the outdoors and hunting and yes. growing and managing and hunting for those big deer like Mark and Terry have always done. You know, it's not, a, there was never any work to be involved to create a relationship. It was like we've known each other for 50 years. You know, you, you know you're right. And, that, and then you put it into the equation, you know, you you've had a son. You know, my kids, my wife follows your mother on Facebook. Yeah. 
the whole kind of complete the whole complete package of how the family. relationship has grown family exactly it's been it's been really cool to to see not only do we do stuff for each other with hunting injury outdoors but more importantly we're all friends absolutely. and that's what the greatest thing is absolutely there's no better chance, Mark, than when you get a go to Lodge 25, to Jim's place, and the gates open up, and I call it going to, it's like Manland, because it's like, you know, it's like if you're a kid and you go to Six Flags, it's like that, but for a hunter. Uh, yeah, anything you could ever imagine, and once those gates awesome. open we, like, we have a good time. The we, land of Oz. We eat well, and we laugh, and we tell a few lies when Terry's around, <laughs> in, in all a good way, but it's it's fun. We we enjoy, It's it's definitely... As you said, my wife calls it the man's Disneyland. Yeah, for you know? sure. So it doesn't matter if anything's moving or not. We all have right. fun. That's right. If they're not moving, we get breakfast. So we have. <laughs> yes. You got to figure it out. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, so you guys today, if I if I believe I heard right, you guys are doing some work on the upcoming season of thirteen. Is that right, Matt? That's correct. We we had Jim in here. Uh, we have most of all the episodes are rough cut and ready to go. They start airing the last week of June for season three. And Jim had a phenomenal season this year. And uh, he, he actually, he's in episode two with a 196. It was, uh, uh, that was gross, but net, it was like 194 or something like that. I mean, it was just yeah. magnificent wow. buck. And he killed it on opening day, actually. So, Jim. Yeah, it down. that's awesome. Down from here, I was very blessed. Yeah, I, as a deer hunter, you know, you you go through and you, you know you 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 put all this time and effort into your farm, and then when you get a well spring like we had last year with all the moisture, all the rain, and you know where where Mark Drury is extremely well is he informs you how your deer season's going to be. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he really does and. You know, we were blessed. We had some great photos of some great deer, and sure enough, we stayed out of this particular area, and opening night, he showed up, and, you know, I lived the the dream every hunter lives, you know, is to be put in that situation. Yeah, I think it's going to be, that's airing in episode two, so I think that'll be somewhere around the week of 4th of July, somewhere in there, and believe me, you will want to watch it on the Outdoor Channel. It's It's literally... In 26, 27 years of Drury Outdoors history, that may be some of the best big deer footage we've ever had laid down on camera. I mean, he was out in the field, what, like 45 minutes, yeah. are you? Wow. I mean, the, you know, what, alfalfa? Yeah. And, I mean, it's, Mark, you, the, the footage is just unbelievable. Zach, we have to credit Zach for that. Yeah, Zach Clail. Yeah, Zach did a wonderful job, and... You know, I, I always say the easy part is to be the hunter. The hard part is to film it. And Zach did one heck of a job. I commend him. He he worked very hard to get all that set up. And when I'm traveling with the White Sox and doing my thing, he helps my brother Chuck set my farm up. So I'm very lucky there. Yeah, it was. he also killed one in the late season. We can't forget about that. He was doing a yeah. little management. So. Yeah, yeah, which – which I've always, you know, my side, they always get on me. Like, we have to manage, you know, the management bucks as well to, to better your herd. And, you know, so I, I, I've usually trophy hunted. But this year in particular, I did end up, you know, harvesting a management buck along with John Mabry that yeah. night. Mabes yeah. came in and that was a blast. And, again, that whole camaraderie and, and that brotherhood, we call it in the industry, is just great. It is. It is. It was awesome. 
I gotta ask Jim back to that that buck you took on opening night. What? How does that feel when you walk up on a deer like that? I just can't imagine. What was that moment like for you? It was incredible, you know, because you see pictures, you 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 go through this process of your trail cameras. Okay, once you get a picture of a deer, then you look at okay, where do you think he's bedding? Where is he going to feed? And then you have to strategically, you know, put yourself in a position with the wind. Number one, you don't want to bump that type of a deer out. And you got to play weather fronts. That's where Mark and Terry are both great is, you know, when you get that first northwest wind in October, if you have green field, more than likely you'll get a big deer on their feet on a green field, that first northwest northeast wind in October. And you just so happened, I mean, it, it just hit perfect for opening day yes. of the Illinois season. I mean, it can't, it couldn't have been any better timing it was it was everything was aligned perfectly and you know i again i keep saying blessed i i really was very blessed to get that opportunity well it shows you the year before mark he had a tough it was a tough season and and you grinded and grinded and you were out probably i would say more, more than you've ever been hunting because my competitive side yeah took over yeah and yeah i hunted more than any other time for and, sure. and, and and with with no results but that doesn't mean it wasn't a successful season you know it just means you didn't get to wrap your tag around something here the next year first day out of the gate with heck what time was that there was plenty of light on it the was field. six oh, it was early when, afternoon when, when, when does it get dark in early october like seven i think That's, later than that maybe yeah. Probably yeah, more like quarter to eight almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been around the six to six fifteen. I mean, it was. It's beautiful. It's just. It's the green as green as the field as green as it gets. High pressure. High day. pressure day. Yep. The front was rolling in, and this deer came out early. I mean, literally, wow. you know, after a tough season the year before, the first three hours of your first hunt, you know, all the stars are aligning yes. the next year. So just shows you know, karma. I think a lot of deer died that day across the Midwest because we had great conditions in Michigan and I know in Ohio they were great and I killed a buck on opening night too but he was about 70 inches or, or more smaller than yours Jim so <laughs> you got it's, me beat but it was nonetheless it, yeah. it, you know what it's and the one thing I've learned with all this is you know it's it's about the time and just being out in the woods you know i don't look at a year two years ago of not harvesting a deer and going man my my year was horrible because you know what i got the opportunity to sit in the great midwest as we all do and and soak up the different seasonal changes you know and i joke around a lot about breakfast but to me breakfast and deer camp and having family around is ultimately what it's all about. That's you right. Know, it's it's very similar with baseball in the locker room. You know, the one thing now being retired, I miss a lot is the camaraderie with my boys, with the teammates. Sure. And you know, when you do are out of the game, those are the biggest things that you miss, no question. Well, that's good that this, you know, this can still help bring that. Because, you know, your brother Chuck, he's always over at the lodge. Yeah. He works there, does a lot of work for you. Randy's always kind of coming in and out. Your dad's still a big part yeah. of being at the lodge. So, you know, I know from our standpoint when we go over there, that's what it's all about. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's so much fun. And I got some surprises for you this year coming up. Oh, so <laughs> if you get a chance to come over and hunt at your dad's place, we'll uh, – 
there's a few surprises up my sleeve for you. I so. think this year we, we plan on hunting Illinois a lot, actually. He's Good. having a tough year on his farm there in Missouri. Uh, a lot of deer died from EHD, and we're just having a tough time getting the herd back. And so we've we've kind of put all our chips all in on Illinois for as far as dad and my season is concerned. And we picked up a new lease, and, and it adjoins one that you have. And, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting. So it is. It is. It. And... You know, we, we just need to hope and pray through the Midwest we don't have another bout of EHD because, yeah. you know, that would not be fun. And they're, they're talking like there's going to be another drought year. Yeah. Um, with El Nino, El Nino last year, uh, another drought this year. So, so it, pray it, for it, rain. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. That's exactly right. Definitely, so. man. Well, you guys have got me a little jealous. Sounds like you guys have all the fun during hunting season, so I'm going to have to live vicariously through you guys on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that's why I screwed up last year. I didn't hunt Illinois at all last that's year. That's right. And that's where I messed up. <laughs> that's, that's no doubt. So, so, Jim, on every episode of this podcast, you know, in addition to talking you know, like we're doing here, we also like to listen to one of our actual listeners' questions they have for us and try to answer it. So I was wondering, we were wondering if you might be able to help us with one of those questions. Are you down for that? Sure, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, what do you yeah. say we give a listen to that question? My name's Asa Phillips from Hartford, Kansas. I recently purchased a ground blind to use primarily for turkey hunting, but I was curious about using it for whitetail hunting. Do you had some pointers or some different ways to use that? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. That's a pretty good question. Yeah, what do you think, Jim? Any thoughts on that for for ground blind hunting? Yeah, I think I think ground blind hunting is actually, I think becoming very has become very popular. To be honest, I think if you know your property, if you have trees that you can't hang a stand in, I think and 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 setting up your food plots, I think putting a ground blind where the wind direction is great, where they're not going to get downwind the deer that is. Uh, I think it can be it can be tremendous for the challenge that I personally have with my size is sometimes you have to be very patient in a ground blind and and when when you get those opportunities, you know you, the maneuvering of your shots become yeah. a little bit difficult. But but safety wise, being on the ground and you know I know I know one of the we all talk about it is wearing your safety harness and. You know, when you do climb a tree, there's that, you know, being very aware of your surroundings and going up the tree and making sure that harness is on. The thing I really love about hunting on the ground is you are eye level with the deer. Yeah. And I love that. That's the fun part. You had a hunt a couple years ago, right, in the in the late season where you, you like your whole goal was to try to all the season, big 10 yeah it was to try yes. to, to harvest a deer a buck yeah. out of a ground blind and be yeah. on a level can you get into that a little bit yeah and, and i gotta say i mean i never we, we were getting pictures of this particular big 10 point and it was <laughs> he eluded us <laughs> every every step of the way it was the most frustrating <laughs> thing because i would leave town he would show up on camera we would we we maneuvered our ground blind thinking okay because the sets were not made to hang in a tree well especially in January and late December no it's cover. hard it, it's hard to hunt out of a tree with the winds in the Midwest I mean oh, yeah. you can but you got to bear down and boy he eluded us to no end but but it was the the chase was fun and 
you know, that's that's part of this game too, is you yeah. always don't succeed. Yeah. Oh I know. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> when they <laughs> when they do come in on the ground, like you were saying, Jim, it's it's so intense being right at eye level with them. And the margin for error, I think, in some ways, is a lot less just because you are right there with them. So it's it's equally intense but challenging. Uh, so I love that kind of give and take. There's a lot of benefits to it. At the same time, you're a little risky in some ways. So you've got to kind of figure out how to weigh those and properly, like you said, be prepared to maneuver for the shot or know when to freeze, know when to move. There's there's something to, to be said about just having experience in that type of setting to help get better at it because it is different from the tree stand. It is. And unlike a box blind, a box blind, you can kind of deaden your sound a lot more and you can get away with a lot more movement, I think. And you keep your windows up until it's go time if, you're, if your box blind has windows. Whereas a ground blind, you're really going to think that through. I mean, you know, if a deer, if it's late season specifically, and you're sitting, you know, on a food source, you're going to have a lot more deer on that food source. Yes. And you got to be really careful. I mean, any little movement, any little noise, they're very jumpy that time of year. And even just the wind blowing, I mean, you know, they're always looking up and, and you never know, depending on where your blind is, you might have a, a, a couple does or a fawn or whatever walk right past your windows. And, and you don't have the ability, almost all, all ground blinds, it's like a Velcro. I mean, they have systems where you can latch like the muddy redemption blind. I know you can latch and you don't have the, uh, necessarily the Velcro. But right. you have to think through those situations of what you're, where your deer are going to come out because you don't want to be messing with your windows. Oh, yeah. At- I mean, especially late season, you just can't get away with that much no. movement, you know. Well, you can't. You have to keep the windows open, you know. And as you said, if it's a zipper or a Velcro, any type of little movement, you know. But but the main thing, even even in a box blind, you always get those mature does that will come in downwind around your blind, and they get a little bit skittish. They they just are not comfortable. A ground blind compared to a box blind is you're on the ground, so your scent is actually elevated to the ground. And depending on low pressure, high pressure, you know, you'll always get those does. I always like to put ground blinds up against a brush pile that I know they cannot get downwind of an area that we're going to sit over food, whether it's maximum, beans, wherever. And then getting in and getting out, you know, your access. I mean, Mark talks about that mm-hmm. a lot in a lot of the videos is getting in and out of the stand is so key and mm-hmm. detected. You know, you spoke about the pressure. Late season, generally, it's a lower pressure situation anyways, you know, with the cloud cover and all that. So your, your scent is kind of just around you yes. you know and well ozonics becomes big you it know? does and scent crusher we just kind of we just started working with those guys you know to get all you know i know ozone is relatively new for a lot of people and uh, to kind of grasp that idea of using ozone and is it just another gimmick or isn't it i mean we've really come to like using those ozone ozone products because it's just sucking out you know or killing those molecules of scent yeah. and it, it, it really does become another tool in our arsenal to help us, you know, any time of year, but late season for sure. Makes a big difference. There's so many little things with, it's as close to the competition of baseball that there is because you're going to fail way more than succeed. But that failure keeps the drive and the hunger of wanting to come back. And then you mix in, as we all do, is love the outdoors. You know, that's why we do this. 
you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, I'm glad to say I was, you know, born and raised where I was. And, you know, my, my father and my brothers introduced me to the outdoor. So I'm pretty blessed in that. We all are. We're all blessed to be a part of that. And your brothers, I mean, your whole family, they're, they're diehard. Hunters. They love it. Chuck, Chuck's probably one of the best hunters I've ever met. Chuck is a good, you know what? Chuck shoots his bow year round. Uh, my brother, Randy, I, I call him the weekend warrior. Yeah. He's kind of like me. His schedule lets him hunt as much as he can. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they practice a lot. They shoot their bows and it's again, that camaraderie camaraderie with, with their buddies makes it fun to be a part of that. If you've ever seen his brothers on any of his hunts, Chuck, as big as Jim is, Chuck's even bigger. It's, <laughs> it's me, yes. I remember there was one time, it was like the first time I ever went and hunted with you guys, and I came over to film. It was Dad and I, and, and I was filming Chuck one morning, and it was dark. We get into the stand, and th the first couple years you guys that we were hunting with you guys, all their sets it was like, I mean, to, to get from one, you know, Chuck was putting them up. Yeah. Chuck was yes. putting them all up and he's huge. And I'm, you know, five, nine. It's, it's just, I couldn't hardly reach. <laughs> we the need next to give step. you a lift to the so next thing. <laughs> his spot, his stand. Okay. And Chuck's on the ground and I climb, I'm the cameraman. The cameraman stands always a little bit higher. Well, in their case at their, their farm, the cameraman stand was like 10 feet higher, but there was only one step between the, the, so I remember I got this camera on my back. It's like, you know, you got 30 pounds of gear on 40 pounds of gear on you. And I'm trying to get into the cameraman stand and Chuck, I remember I feel the trees start swaying and I'm struggling. It's pitch black. I've never been in the stand before. And all of a sudden, I could hear Chuck breathing. He's a real heavy breather. Ugh. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like my whole body, I got thrown into the stand. I was like, I was hugging. Him. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's always a good time. But well, at least you have there to help you. Oh, Chuck, you know? that's the thing about all the Tomies. They will, they will give you the shirt off their back. Everyone. Absolutely. So it's, wow. it just got a thousand. No doubt. Like no doubt. Oh, that's awesome. So is there anything else you guys think we should add when it comes to ground blind hunting for, for Asa here? I, I think we covered it. I mean, I think there's a thousand things you could probably touch on. I mean, Mark Drury is the master at it. You know, guys like Rod Owen, some of these guys that, you know, are just big buck killers. Uh, they've really used ground blinds over the years and recent, you know, the five last five, 10 years, you see it more and more and more. Uh, it, it's amazing. Early season, you know, rut, whatever the case may be, I've seen Mark, you know, get pods and put ground blinds on top of pods to get that elevated, you know, to get that elevated position on a deer. But it just allows you a lot more flexibility. If you have leases, like, you know, the way that I hunt and a lot of guys that are probably listening to this have leases and don't have their own property and can't erect, you know, a, a, a man-made box blind or a, like a muddy blind that's already man-made, a ground blind's perfect. I mean, it allows you the flexibility to go anywhere. Move around. And, yeah, yes. you know, if, it, and if it's, you know, you got, say you, you're hunting on a corn, you know, next to a cornfield or anything like that, the ability to mask that blind and, and get it covered in there is unbelievable. You get in and out. Yeah, you can get in and out. You yes. can hardly tell. I mean, last year on the lease, we put a blind right in the, on the edge of a cornfield, and uh, biologic, we had um, winter bulbs and sugar beets a maximum on this on this on this spot, and we couldn't get the, the biologic was probably 
100 yards or so. So, you know, there was no way for bow hunting we could get out to the middle or past that. You know, effective range, I'm more or less at 40 yards and in. And so we put that blind in there and we used the corn as cover and, 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 masked it in you couldn't see it i'm telling you you know like you just saw one little black holes, hole yeah where the window was and and actually adam wainwright killed a doe out of there him his daughter and we had a camera guy they went in oh it was right after um the season ended for the cardinals this year and he went in there and with his daughter and everything and they they took a doe and he said there was like six or seven does that came right past him and you know it's an awesome chance to get close oh, to yeah. those especially the experience for his daughter was yeah. probably great yeah yeah very, oh it's it's yeah. he was he was on cloud nine so yeah. you know you know two things i would add uh when it comes to using those you know those ground these types of portable ground blinds like we're talking about jim you kind of mentioned this but if you're setting up a blind you know weeks ahead of time or months ahead of time i would really say it's important to keep those windows open even from the day, the first day you set it out, because if you have them closed for two months and then you show up one day and open them up, there's these big black holes now that are strange and deer definitely notice those. So I would say if you're going to set them out ahead of time, keep it as it will be when you're hunting. Um, that's one thing I've learned. And then a second is just practice, especially if you're bow hunting, practice drawing and making sure that your bow can be drawn properly and that you can actually shoot through that window and, and make sure you've got that figured out because I've made the mistake of, of screwing that up before. Um, one time, actually the biggest buck at this time in my life, I drew back on him and he was moving from right to left across the way and so I was moving my bow along with him and I wasn't paying attention to the end of my broadhead and it hit the side window, knocked off, hit my rest, made a loud clank and spooked that buck away. So uh, you don't want that to happen. So I definitely try to practice those situations ahead of time couple of great points i mean just on your last point there the this you're sitting so practicing sitting yeah i mean practicing out on the archery yes. range just sitting and, and drawing and shooting and pivoting and all that stuff i mean that's something that mark and terry you I, i've always seen them practicing in any position they think they might be because almost inevitably you're going to be in an uncomfortable position or tilted or and actually that's where like an iq site that you know we use it helps you if you if you're cantered slightly it helps you make sure that your bow and everything there is lined like it should be uh but you can get some pretty you, can. you know tight positions for sure when you're sitting in a blind so yeah and i would say you touched on it too i mean you want to put it up and give it time to sit and opening the windows but the other the other advice is possibly putting it up in the rain for ground scent you know, and then yeah. if it's raining, then getting out and letting that scent, there's no hardly any scent on the ground, and you can get out, brush it in, as yeah. you said. But, but what I've noticed, if I, we put a ground blind up and then we go back to it within three days, deer are real skittish. Sure. They're, sure. they're wondering what's going on. And I notice if I put a ground blind up and I give it a week and a half to a week before I go back in, they get comfortable. Yeah, they got. It's definitely. I mean, it's it stands out. I mean, sometimes you don't have the ability to to get it matched in with its surroundings right. as well, and it's just a big blob sitting there. I mean, they notice change in structure, you know. So it it's like, whoa, what's this doing here? Yes. This is new, and then all of a sudden something's in there moving. Who moved into our area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mark and Terry. They uh, this is a long time ago. They had a, a blind. I think this might have been on on Dad's farm. Uh, they had a, a ground blind. And they had actually put a cutout of two guys sitting in it <laughs> when they filmed with each other. So, you know, 
time ago. Oh, and they put camo and a hat on the guy's name and went so far as I think they drew in like goatees. On, <laughs> that was supposed to be oh, there. Oh, so, man, I would have seen that. Yeah, yeah but, so <laughs> but they, they'd always go to the, you know, the extreme to make sure, you know, that, that they were prepared and, and something wasn't going to spook or whatever. But it was just a funny side note there. Absolutely. Like that. That's yeah. awesome. So I like that. I, I'm going to try that someday. I know people that have done something like that with tree stands where they've put like a like a makeshift scarecrow or something sitting up in the tree stand to try to do kind of the same thing. So it's it's an interesting idea. Pretty a little time-consuming, I guess, but I like it. So The size of the scarecrow that will, like, be the same as my brother. <laughs> it'd be scary. Yeah, it would be scary. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Yeah, it, uh, it would be. It would be. That's awesome. So, so Matt, do you think do you think we need to cover anything else before we wrap this up? Because I do think we're coming up on time. Yeah, I would love to sit here for two days and talk with a guy like Jim. I mean, anytime that we talk on the phone, or you and Mark, or you and Dad, it, it always goes like this. It's like you're just sitting with a friend and. And uh, we love to hear the insight he's got yeah. for baseball, and I'm sure you love to hear Mark and Terry's insight they have for hunting. So I've been very lucky, you know. When I met these guys, you know, I was a pretty, I, I wasn't a very good hunter, you know. And then I think in anything, you know, like you watch the success of people, and then you want to try to like follow that and implement that into your approach. And over the years, between food plots our native grasses, uh, box blinds, ground blinds, tree stands, you know, high pressure, low pressure. You know, I think if anything, the one thing about out the outdoors is no question is a dumb question, you know, and we all learn from each other. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, that's the great part is we're all in this together. There, I would say you never are going to be able to just conquer and, be successful every year bow hunting it's very difficult you know misses happen you know you're going to have successful years but there are going to be years that you don't as well and and in hunting ego is one of those things that you got to leave at the door honestly and that's unfortunately in our industry a lot of times that male macho attitude i think holds a lot of people back where maybe they aren't going to share their success with others you know how they're successful sure and mark and terry to their credit that's always been their thing information how to share it with others we've made the mistakes they still make mistakes yes how do you capitalize on that and learn from it and i think that's where you know the, the similarities are there between you as a professional and and how well you did in baseball it's not by mistake it's by hard work it's by hitting coaches and talking to others and learning from your mistakes and if you got an 0 for 4 it's going out there and looking at the tape and seeing why you had an 0 for 4 you know yes. and, and with Mark and Terry they're always analyzing they're always looking the reconics pictures the footage and they're trying to figure out how to get better and i think there's a lot of similarities there i agree so you well, gotta do it fun. yeah jim thank you so much for joining us i think uh both me and Matt obviously have been enjoying it, but I think all of our listeners and viewers too. This is this has been a treat, so we appreciate it. Well, I, I look forward to the next time, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, big fella. The man. Hey, good luck this fall. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> you too. To seeing you. you too, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and before we shut it down, I just want to 
give a couple quick reminders for our viewers and listeners that you want to subscribe to this podcast if you can so you can see all the future video episodes and listen to the audio episodes. So make sure to subscribe on the Drury Outdoors YouTube channel and then subscribe for the audio version on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and just search for 100% Wild Podcast. You'll find it all there. That way you can get the episodes right on your phone or your tablet or your car. Super easy. So do that, and then if you'd like to send in a question to be on one of our future episodes, go to wiredtohunt.com slash 100% wild. And that's it. Super easy. You can send in a question, and uh, who knows, maybe Jim will answer your question on a future episode. We hope you'll come back, Jim. I look forward to it. Be sure to check everything we're doing at Drury Outdoors at DruryOutdoors.com. Uh, Facebook is slash official Drury Outdoors or on Twitter and Instagram at Drury Outdoors. And you'll be able to see everything Jim's doing, uh, our whole Drury Outdoors team, and Mark, Terry, Taylor, the whole crew. So please come check it out. And until uh, next time, we're out of here. That's right. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Peace.